<laughs> Portal opens up. I just get younger. <laughs> He's burping himself into his childhood. This will all probably happen. Yeah. Welcome to Super Duper Stitches. Paranormal podcast with the use of science to describe the, the paranormal. Strange. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Who fucking you cares? Get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And uh, welcome back, y'all. Yeah, thanks for joining us Thank for another week, or for the much. first time, if it's your first time, Indeed. or not at all, if you're not here. Yeah, if you're not here, then uh, we're going to talk mad shit about you. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So, so this week we're going to talk about more kind of man-monster things. Indeed. Because those are frequent and there fun. There are many, and they're, the stories are really cool. And, yeah. Uh, none of y'all have given us suggestions, so. Yeah. We were going to talk about time. our feelings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do we have any updates before we get started? I sort of do and don't. Mine today wound up being indirect updates in a way. Excellent. So then I'll let you just get right into it. Yeah, since I'm since I'm kicking it off anyhow. Why the hell not? Um, and please do stop me if I've uh, told if you've told me I should say this update in the past because typically the sort of creepy crawler updates Ooh. are your. You know, my bread and butter. Your bread and butter. So I, I, I pale, your uh, pale, scary bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> a thin, slimy baguette. <laughs> How did you make that look lanky? That doesn't even make sense. Why does that baguette look like it has bones? <laughs> <laughs> so the crawling man of Michigan City, Indiana. Hmm. Does this ring any bells for you? I don't think so. All right. Well, let's see. This this takes place in the summer of 2012 near Washington Park which is near Michigan City. And uh, the witness claims that she had been staying at the beach house of a friend by Lake Michigan and that there had been a lightning storm at the time. Hmm. At around 2 a.m., some of them, so some of her and her friends, went outside to smoke and watch the lightning. You know what I mean. (laughs) Um, And that was when they noticed the beam of a flashlight scanning the tall grass by the shore nearby as if searching for something. Okay. Thinking this to be a bit odd, they watch on and saw that the beam had captured an elongated, grayish, humanoid-looking figure stretched out on the beach. The witness reports, the light sweeps by something in the grass, then it shines back onto it. What was illuminated was very strange. It appeared to be a naked guy crawling around on the grass, but it had distinctly elongated arms and legs. It was moving kind of fast, crunched over. It only lasted a few seconds, long enough for all of us to see it. Then, after the thing ran off, the flashlight shines directly at us. It uh-huh. stayed pointing at us until it went out after a few seconds. Creepy. So we're all like, WTF was that? <laughs> I don't know what that stands for. Uh, she, we asked what each other saw. We all seen a weird, stretched-out, naked guy. The only explainable thing it could have possibly been was a drunk, gangly, naked guy. <laughs> But I don't think so because it looked abnormally stretched. The light pointed at us and it freaked everyone out. It was something strange. I can't say what the height of it was accurately, maybe around seven feet. My husband said it looked like something from a Marilyn Manson music video. <laughs> I wanted to go down there. I wanted to see if we could find it, but no one would go. They were all creeped out and wanted to go back inside. Seems uh, uh, sounds very much like all of the um, the weird, creepy creatures that I've been so fond of reading about, but I have not heard that specific story before. Indeed, so we can add that to our uh, case file of the creepy crawlers, as yes. it were. Creepy crawlers, that could be the theme music for <laughs> yeah, this I'll, bit. I'll, fi- I'll find that. I now have two stories, two different sort of unsolved mysteries, if you will, that I might have consistent details with another character that we have come to know well oh yes so i found these in looking for a single topic to talk about today but as i kept bumping across these certain details in these different accounts i was like screw it i'm gonna talk about these guys so here we go so the following is drawn from excerpts from a 2001 article from the guardian and from bizarreandgrotesque.com who uh they feature some pretty good breakdowns on paranormal stuff so i highly recommend them for you i should check that out that sounds great it sounds bizarre and (laughs) grotesque Grotesque. (laughs) dot com (laughs) it sounds so dot com yeah (laughs) i'm ww oh god damn it (laughs) who cares um in april 2001 three men in the indian city of Ghaziabad reported being attacked by a monkey while they were asleep well, the first two attacks had happened while the victims were laying on their terraces outside, 
The third attack occurred in the inside of a building. As the attacks increased in frequency, the monkey took on a stranger appearance, with one woman claiming he had glowing light bulbs on his back. Hmm. Panic quickly broke out across the city. Light bulb monkey strikes again. (laughs) (laughs) Useful for when your lights go out. Not useful for not being scratched. The creature seemed to be to prey entirely on the poor, visiting the neighborhoods late at night and mauling people who happened to be sleeping on their rooftops. Hmm. Eyewitness descriptions varied widely, with some claiming that the monster was a four-foot-tall monkey covered in black fur. And also light bulbs. And also light bulbs, yeah. He had the Christmas light bulbs that flashed on and off and said (laughs) Merry Christmas across his back. I (laughs) was very reassuring while he was mauling me. Um while others said it was a six-foot-tall, monkey-like creature that wore clothing and had the face of a man. Hmm. He had everything from an astronaut helmet to a skateboard to the ability to jump from roof to roof without leaving a single footprint behind. Okay. Soon, residents in nearby New Delhi were sleepless with fear, terrified they could be the next in a series of attacks, leaving victims with deep scratch marks and gouges on their arms and necks. Police started to receive complaints about uh, from people sleeping on roofs or in the open near the city slums. The being was elusive and would slip away into the darkness after his attacks. So the hysteria got so bad that whenever somebody shouted out that they saw the monkey man, uh, people would like lose their mind. So three people, including a pregnant woman, unfortunately, died while attempting Whoa. to escape. Sometimes just because someone had been like, "The monkey man's here," they'd like freak out and run. And, like, oh. fall off roofs and stuff. The Jeez. reason people were sleeping on the roof and in the open is because it's hot Very. as hell, and you don't necessarily have AC. So, you know, yeah. go sleep out under the stars. Pretty cool, nice way of uh, spending the evening, unless there is a monkey man a monkey man on the mall. People were actually dying trying to escape. And there were two other incidents in which uh, angry mobs almost killed men suspected of being the monkey man. Because one was four foot tall, and the other carried a motorcycle helmet. <laughs> um, that's how out of their minds people had got. Uh, vigilante groups, feeling the police weren't doing enough, patrolled the streets themselves. So the police, however, treated the existence of the monkey man seriously, even re- uh, releasing sketches of eyewitness reports. Wow. 3,000 officers were dispatched to the case, including um, instructed to shoot on sight. Wow. A special task force was assembled and given special vehicles to pursue uh, basically a monster that could allegedly run and jump at top speed. <laughs> a reward equivalent to $1,000 um, was even offered to anybody who could help catch the monkey man. So, quote, We contacted Delhi Zoo authorities, and the experts say that no simian would ever attack without provocation, Suresh Roy, Delhi's joint police commissioner, said. We have conducted medical examinations of the victims and nothing concrete has been found. Doctors say the bites are animal bites and not of a human, Mr. Roy said. But then there are some people who have also said that the person uses iron claws and teeth. Oh. The creature had its hands on my thighs when I woke up. It looked like a langur, which is a type of monkey. Uh, Eunice, who lives in the suburb of Krishan Nagar, said last night. This is out of the 2001 article. Uh, when Rahina, my mother, picked up a broomstick, it jumped out of the balcony. Meanwhile, Sanal Edamaruku of the Indian Rationalist Association. <laughs> I like that. Um, right? AKA the IRA. They're the ones you're actually sending your money to. <laughs> uh, began to investigate and interview witnesses. Um, of those he spoke with, Sanal found that many of the sightings were inconsistent. Some portraying the monkey man as a phantom monster, others as a sci-fi robot. The scratches and wounds on victims, touted around the media as proof, turned out to be small and non-serious, caused by mosquito bites and laying on traditional Indian beds, which, damn guys, get a Casper, come on. (laughs) By his assessment, most victims he interviewed didn't show signs of trauma, but of excitement. The monkey man, it seemed, was nothing more than mass hysteria, by his account. Okay. So, does this sound like anyone you know, Jake? Well, let's see. Jumping very high, moving very fast, having really odd lighting happening um scratching the hell out of people sometimes with metal claws which i assume perhaps are colder than a corpse's claws one may describe them as such yes now i didn't hear any description of when it jumped out the window after chase with that broom for example if it happened to say anything along the lines of ha ha 
But the usual monkey noise. <laughs> yes. This sounds like our old friend Spring Hill Jack. Right. And even the Guardian article, the writer of the Guardian article, I should say, thinks so as well. So continuing uh-huh. from that, Delhi residents, it seems, are not the first victims of this phenomenon. A- so Spring Hill Jack is as imperialist as the Victorian <laughs> yeah, place exactly. he came from. He was permeated with the culture <laughs> and the sun never sets on spring hill jack's empire <laughs> exactly i'll get those spices myself if i must <laughs> <laughs> one big jump and he's just <laughs> in, in <laughs> india just in space <laughs> I, I, why pantomime going ha ha listening why, why is pantomiming the sound of him saying ha uh, in the vacuum of space <laughs> He's just frozen solid. <laughs> Burns uh, up entirely on reentry. <laughs> reconstitutes and starts jumping around again. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that's what happened. Uh, so yeah, they say a quote-unquote scratcher, I like that they refer to it as a scratcher, known as spring Jack, appeared in London in 1837. He too had ironclad fingers, glowing eyes, wore dark clothes, and scratched his victims. He was never found. So I, was, I appreciate very much that... Um, the writer of this article, whose name I did not take down, fortunately, also drew that connection because as I was reading about this on a different site, I was like, damn, mm. sounds a lot like like your boy. That's very interesting. SHJ. And here are a couple eyewitness sketches. Well, police sketches, if you will. They're very cute. Oh, they are very cute. Oh. <laughs> Especially like with the helmet. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing I forgot about. Yeah, we that we had at least a few reports where he sounded like he was wearing a helmet too. Exactly. From the original London reports. Exactly. So it's it's very conspicuous. It's very yeah. interesting. That's because it's it's so specific. Like, exactly. Yeah, there are certain interesting parallels between different stories in different places. There's so many stories between different cultures that are very consistent in terms of their boogeyman type creatures or right. characters have so many visual similarities that are surprising but not quite as many weird specifics like this exactly and the fact too that like there would be these differing accounts of what it actually is exactly i feel like that's somewhat consistent with the reports from england too and even in the americas where the black flash or other kinds of springfield jack type entities appeared where people are like well it's kind of like a phantom it's kind of like a weird flighty jumping monster thing it's kind of off-white it's kind of beige yeah exactly <laughs> so even that aspect is somewhat consistent so it's this is weird and the other funny thing about it for me too is like i'm not particularly enthralled by spring hill jack yeah it just keeps coming up yeah it's, <laughs> and it's always like just enough goofiness that it's yeah. like well, this can't be happening right and like exactly it's it's not like you know sasquatch or these other things that captivate me on a number of levels be they real or not this is goofy very goofy <laughs> it is not the stuff of nightmares for me at I all mean, you guys have to check out these police sketches yeah for real i mean these sketches are goof-tastic but there it is around the globe you get these weird accounts so anyway with that in mind you have another one right we turn now to the Cumbria side of Solway Firth in England. Oh, so back f- to old England back land. Back to old England land indeed. So for use at ho- for use at home. <laughs> oh my god. For you folks at home, a Firth If you use guys at home. Use guys. Hey, let me tell you about England real quick. Um yeah, so a Firth is a colon. <laughs> it's essentially <laughs> a British a it's a, it's the it's a British version of a straight. Yes, like the Firth of Forth, for example, in Scotland. Mm. I'll take your word for it. What about the Firth of Fourth Fifths? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shut up, boy. Yeah. So yeah, we're on the Cumbria side. So the the Solway Firth is basically between what do you call it? Cumberbatch? The county, the county of Cumbria, and Scotland somewhere up there. I think <laughs> all of Scotland, all of the entire thing. <laughs> uh, who who gives a fuck? We're on the Cumbria <laughs> side of Solway Firth, um, and it was here in 1964. That fireman, photographer, and local historian Jim Templeton would take a particularly intriguing set of skills, just kidding, photographs <laughs> of his then five-year-old daughter during a day trip to Bergmarsh. You know, the UK has some very interesting names. They do. That's Berg, B-U-R-G-H. Is it Borough Marsh? Maybe it's Borough Marsh. Who the fuck knows? Not me. So, take some pictures of his daughter. Just... Fun day out with the wife and the kid. Mm-hmm. When he collects them after being processed, 
The film shop assistant says, That's a marvelous color film, but who's the big fellow? Hmm. Jim was baffled until he took a close look at the photographs. On one print, apparently standing several meters behind his daughter's head, (laughs) was a large figure dressed in a quote-unquote spaceman suit. (laughs) All in white. Or is it? Some slight shade of off sort of eggshell, perhaps. Uh, I, I have the photos. You okay, can tell all me. Right. With a helmet and broad visor. Jim knew there had been no one else around at the time he took the photograph and immediately had the negative tested by contacts in the police force and with the film's manufacturers. Both said the image had not been tampered with and could not account for what the Cumberland News began to call the Solway Spaceman. Oh. So, the Cumberland News contacted the British Ministry of Defense for their opinion, who then agreed to analyze the photograph. However, when Jim discovered they required the original film and camera for analysis, he refused, and no official file exists to show they pursued the matter any further than that. Hmm. Later that summer, however, Jim was visited at the fire station by two men. You may have already guessed it. They were dressed entirely in black okay. and drove a brand new black Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> um, they said they could be addressed as agents J and K and asked <laughs> to be taken to the place where the photograph was taken. Seriously? No. Okay. <laughs> like, wait, wait. All right. they, they simply asked to be taken to the okay. uh, place where the photograph was taken. If you guys don't get the reference, then uh, go be 10 years old again. Uh, Jim, come on. Uh, Jim queried their identity and was shown a card bearing an official crest and the word security. <laughs> the word fucking deal. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. That's one word. <laughs> it's just the Nike swoosh. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know what this this brand's all about. You know what this is going to mean in a few decades. <laughs> exactly. In a few decades. <laughs> Nike like, wasn't even a thing in the 60s, I don't think. <laughs> In the future, this will be a brand of sportswear with the tagline, just do it. Um, they told, they showed him the face of, uh, what's that actor who did that thing? Oh, yeah, that guy. Anyway. It'll oh, this is interesting. So it um, was called Blue Ribbon Sports between 1964 and 1971. Blue Ribbon Sports, really? And it became Nike afterward. So now we know a little bit of Nike history. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf? Oh, that just... Do it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> just All right. do it! <laughs> um, right. They show him this card. says security. They told him, we're from the ministry, but you don't need to know who we are. We go by numbers. Jim noticed the pair referred to each other as 9 and 11. So that actually be I and K instead of J and K if you're looking at numbers corresponding to letters in the alphabet. Oh, shit. How about that? Their obvious lack of knowledge of the area and inability to pronounce local place names led Jim to conclude they weren't local people. Some fucking super sleuth, this guy. Once they reached the marshes, Jim said the following conversation took place. Quote, I said, pull up on here. This is where the photograph was taken. They asked, can you take us to the exact spot? I said, yes. So we walked across and I said, this is where the photograph was taken. One looked at the other and the other looked at him and said, this is where you saw saw the large man, the alien? I said, no, we didn't see anybody. I never saw anybody. Thank you very much, he said, and he walked away. Even stranger still, the two men straight up just drove off, hmm. leaving Jim to walk a mile alone to the nearest garage <laughs> for a lift to Carlisle. So, I can show you the image now. Okay. Okay, so that seems like a thing that would be very hard to miss. Indeed. He's peeking out from behind her head. It looks like, like he's, he's just very like up busted close. up out of her skull. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Hey. It's like an opposite of Athena being born from Zeus's head. Uh, she's a, it's a pretty tight shot of her just smiling into the camera. And then this, right. like, this spaceman just peeking out from behind her head. I would describe the color of the spaceman suit as maybe like a lamb's wool. I would describe it as purely white. Mm, I'm going to have to have to disagree with you there, Wyatt. I can't stand that you think it's lamb's wool <laughs> honestly i need you to think it's white because <laughs> we're fighting we're fighting now but yeah exactly as jake describes there's sort of not much to the image it seems like the kind of thing you would just snap of your daughter she's holding some flowers cute day it would be kind of weird to take this picture with such an obvious character in the background yeah. when the focus is so clearly the daughter yeah you know i think as a person <laughs> you would just be like oh shit <laughs> get out of the way tell everyone the composition of my shot so and right in the background we see a clearly human figure they seem to have their elbow bent 
at an angle. Yeah, the other one hand on one hip, possibly. Exactly. And um, so sassy spaceman. The debate is whether the elbow is pointed towards the camera or to the side. Oh, so is he facing? Is um, is the figure facing away or towards? Because mm. if away. There's an argument in support of this being the wife okay. of the photographer. Well, she was a spaceman, right? She was a spaceman. She did jump around and scratch people a lot. <laughs> uh, but I think, for my for my money, it seems to me like the elbow is kind of just at the side like this. I, that's how I see it, too. And so, anyway, on this page... I'm trying to picture what the hell would be on the back of someone's head to look like that. Here's the counter-argument. Is that, here's another picture from the same day. Okay. In this shot, we see the daughter sitting in a field, and beside her is the mom, okay. the wife. And she's wearing a skirt. She's, she's wearing a blue a skirt. Her shirt or something is short sleeve. Short sleeve, sort of a, I don't know what you'd call it, what kind of sleeve that is. Sleeveless, essentially. She's reaching down. We don't see her face. We see she has dark she's brown hair. She's kind of scooching down on the ground next to her daughter. We also see this weird shadow on the left side. Yeah. Suggesting there is another person there. Yeah. So there's got to be at least one more person in this field with them. Unless um, he has a tripod and like a timer. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't think he does. The argument they make is that we focus on these points. Okay. Mostly one and two. So one and two are numbers that they've drawn on this first image with the, the spaceman. Number one is Number on like one kind is, of right below the head. Right. On what two is right the chest at the, or the joint. Back. And then two is like, yeah, kind of shoulder-ish area. Um, and they say that that is this part of the mom's dress and okay. that joint with her shirt. Okay. Can you go back again? Okay. Do you see it? Um, I kind of can, but I also kind of don't. And I have it's a couple, harder, yeah, my issues are, so they say this is her, but overexposed. Okay. That she's simply in the background looking away and her blue dress has been overexposed to look white. That, I mean, that makes sense as far as the exposure and how she would be in the sun. Uh, right. That the sun's exposing, washing. If he's exposing the daughter in the foreground, then the background would be overexposed. Right. I'm just having trouble with the shape corresponding. Me too. And honestly, and they say that the the dark that looks like the visor is her hair. That makes sense, but the white on top of that I don't get. It's, it's a little like strange, the top right? Of the helmet. Yeah. Exactly. I also agree with a comment on this page, which we'll link to. This is debunkedmyth.blogspot.com, that uh, one of the commenters below says that the figure captured in the famous image is way too bulky to be the mom. This looks like a much more broad-backed, sort of muscular figure versus yeah. her kind of narrow frame. Um, so I agree with that yeah. observation. So it's been one week since you looked at me. Sorry. <laughs> According to UFO author David Clark, which is also the site that I, uh, his his site is where I drew a lot of this story from even. Okay. He wrote in 2014 that the spaceman is most likely the wife. It makes the most sense it logically. Does, and I appreciate it as the most parsimonious explanation as well. He says, I think for some reason his wife walked into the shot and he didn't see her because with that particular make of camera, you could only see about 70% of what was in the shot through the viewfinder. So that's a shit camera. Yeah, it's a garbage camera. And argues that uh, her pale blue dress was overexposed. She also had dark bobbed hair. And a space helmet. And a space helmet on and a white suit instead of a blue one. (laughs) (laughs) So we have, or I pulled together five sort of considerations. For me, it's not clear, like we just mentioned, that the being is facing towards or away from the camera. For me, I think it's kind of looks like it's facing towards. It does it. certainly seem like it. And the wife argument rests on the assumption that the figure is faced away. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned before, the figure is very strong. Or I said the figure is Jack, no pun intended. <laughs> Number three, uh, the overexposure of the blue dress argument. I feel like it feels flimsy, but it, I'm no photo pro. It easily could be true. Uh, by Templeton's own account, he saw no one else there that day, and he didn't see anyone. Like, this was a surprise for him, too, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so either he's lying or... Misremembering, misremembering where his wife was at the time. Apparently, he was a big fan of practical jokes. I guess he even had forged a $5 note, like, recently prior to this. A five-pound A five-pound note, excuse me. A fiver. A fiver. Um, right, just to see if he could, like, convince people of it. So hmm. there's some chance he was just pulling just, everyone's yeah. leg. Goofing. 
But there are, yet again, a lot of SHJ consistencies. So the white slash off-white bodysuit yes. seems very consistent with descriptions from, you know, a hundred years pr- previous to this. Yes. Um, the s- seeming use of a helmet, the location being in England, mm-hmm. the face mask, which looks like a flower sifter without its handle to me, to yeah. be honest, many visual consistencies. There's no scratching, which is a little weird. <laughs> um, and the fact that it was like broad daylight is also a bit strange. Yeah, and in the middle of a field instead of like in a kind of more urban setting. Right. But otherwise, it bears some funky resemblances yes. for me and is another kind of interesting thing to just pile into that folder for, for my for sure. experience. And I have, not today, but for an upcoming episode... Four more Four of more. them. Are these all like kind just of modern like ones? this, and not necessarily uh, modern day, but they are modern era. Let's say okay. in, in the in the 1900s. Cool. That are and and later. I think even in as as recent as like the 2000s. Damn. That are each their own independent kind of phenomenon, but the details harken back very loudly for me. So I'm excited to share those in an upcoming episode at some point. I look forward to that. And that is uh, I that's what I got you yeah. for today. I did not tire of Jack's uh, constant attacks. He's always back. Mm-hmm. To scratch. The end. <laughs> um, so now I will move on to my story of a, a kind of man-monster uh, of a different sort entirely. Are you ready, Wyatt? No. Yes, okay, now I am. No, I'm not. Okay. Now. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Exterior. Entire town of Clifton, Virginia. Early 1900s. A bus is on a wooded road dividing Clifton and Fairfax Station. An insane asylum has just been closed down and the remaining residents are being transported to Lorton Prison. Bus driver. I'm taking you remaining residents <laughs> of the su- uh, shut down insane asylum to Lorton Prison. That's maybe a thing that people might have done back then slash now in the early 1900s. The bus drives along the dark road deeper into the woods. Bus driver. I hope nothing jumps out into the road and startles me. That wouldn't be very good while I'm going down this dark road. Something does. Bus driver. Oh, no, I have to swerve out of the way. Whoa, I hope this doesn't flip the bus over. It does. Oh, no. Bus driver. Ah. Passengers. Ah. The bus driver and some of the passengers die. Bus driver. Ow, I'm dead now. Some of the survivors are caught uh, later caught by authorities, but two elude capture. They are Marcus A. Walster and Douglas J. Griffin. Exterior, the woods, over the next several months. The police are actively searching for Walster and Griffin, but are coming up empty-handed. Policeman 1. Ah, I wish it were later in the 20th century so we could have better police technology for searching and stuff. Instead of the missing men, the police keep finding a trail of half-eaten, gutted rabbits. Policeman Hmm. 2. Who keeps leaving all these half-eaten bunnies around? Mm -hmm. And why would you eat, like half of two bunnies instead of just eating one whole bunny it's mm-hmm. such a waste of bunnies mm-hmm. where is this guy even getting all these bunnies is he catching them is he trying to taunt us with his bunny catching abilities oh look at all these bunnies i caught you can't even catch one of me many of the rabbits are found hanging from what was at the time called the fairfax station bridge policeman one i feel like we're gonna end up calling this bridge by a different name later maybe something to do with all these bunnies oh i know who it is it's rabbit man Close. Uh, later in the search, the police find not a bunch of bunnies, but Walster hanging from the bridge. He's super dead. What happened to Gromit, though? Uh, too much cheese. Uh. Policeman one. Whoa, damn, that's one of the guys we're looking for. How do you think he died? Policeman two. Don't know, don't care. Policeman one. He's gutted just like those thousands and thousands of bunnies we kept finding. He must have been killed by the same person. Policeman two. I mean, probably, but like, now we have one of the two guys we're after, so good enough? Policeman 1. Yeah, I'm tired of searching. Maybe the guy that killed Walster also killed Griffin. Policeman 2. Yep, some kind of bunny man killed them both, and yeah, case closed. Interior, Halloween night, 1905. Several teens are hanging out under the now-called Bunny Man Bridge. At the stroke of midnight, a bright flash of light fills the tunnel. Teens, ah, it's so bright. A man in a white bunny costume, or something that looks like a man, with bunny ears and stuff, Attacks the teens with an axe. Teens. Ah, it's so an axe. The next morning, Mm -hmm. the teens are found hanging from the bridge, gutted just like the bunnies. For a comically large number of years afterward, teens would keep going to the bridge on Halloween night and keep getting murdered and gutted. Mm -hmm. To this day, it is said that if you were at Bunny Man Bridge at midnight on Halloween night, 
you too will meet the fate of those teens and rabbits. Jeez. So we're talking the goofy, goofy story of the bunny man. That's kind of a weird thing. Specifically, this is the obvious urban legend version of the bunny man. But as this is not an urban legends episode, fear not. Sightings of the bunny man quickly became something much more paranormal and mm-hmm. much less kind of stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the stories are tied to the bridge and involve attacks with axes or hatchets. Cars have even been attacked by the bunny man. What? Not unlike our old friend the bandage man. Yeah, right. Uh, I do have some supposed photos depicting sightings of the bunny man. Okay. So let me show you some of those. Yeah, sure. So where where does this take place again? Virginia. Virginia. Old Virginia. And what was the date one more time? Um, started range? in the early 1900s up through like one of those stories, like the kids, the first set of teens was 1905, I think I said. Oh, so within, within a relatively uh, reasonable span of time. But then uh, supposedly it was like every Halloween for the next oh, like, of course. It 80 becomes its years, own. it was some kind of absurd Some crotchety of... old man's <laughs> dragging himself out of the woods. <laughs> yeah. The sheer number of supposed deaths was a little bit absurd. So I mean, yeah, you would like shut that part of the world down i feel like if you're yeah really seeing that much death so here i think i've seen these images here's the bunny man bridge uh-huh uh, overpass here uh, is sort of supposedly a, a photo depicting uh, someone looking through the bunny man bridge at nighttime and seeing possibly the bunny man on the other side it's, it's kind totally of silhouetted a figure yeah let's see we got another one of um which oh, is just heavily photoshopped to look like there's a shadow of a bunny shaped man mm-hmm. inside the tunnel Mm-hmm. And a circle around it in case you yeah, miss it. Yeah, to make you uh, feel it's really there. And uh, here's a... That's so silly. <laughs> just like a bunny guy shining a, a flashlight on some bunnies. Should have done this one for Easter. Yeah, that would have been a bad idea. There's one more of the bridge, I believe. Oh. <laughs> bunny Man Massacre? <laughs> I don't know if it's an actual movie oh or not, goodness. but it's kind of funny. So Inspired by true events. Yeah, maybe that is a real movie. Weird. It's some goof-tastic stuff. Yeah, that's pretty goofy, I must say. Handily found the following account in, uh, following encounter on phantomsandmonsters.com. Hey now. When looking for any new Chicago updates for this week, I didn't right, find right. any. I did instead find this. Okay. This account was posted just last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So this is all quoting from here on out. In the past six months, I have seen this person on two occasions. I've never experienced hallucinations. I am of a sound mind and I do not do drugs. The first occasion was around October. I'm assuming this means October 2017. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I go to my weekend job pretty early at 4 a.m. I wake up around 3 and usually take my dog outside to do his business. Did this guy see where he was from? I'm sorry. I think this is in towards Illinois, possibly. Okay. My dog is hyper aware of anything and everything and barks at any noise, including a door shutting or a bird landing near him. (laughs) Typical dog stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was standing on my back deck and I see a figure moving down the dark alley. This was a chilly morning in October and it was raining heavily. I hardly ever see anyone else out in my neighborhood at this time, small town, especially walking in such heavy rain. I look over and the man walking is wearing what looks to be a full body bunny costume. Kind of like the Hmm. kid in the Christmas story. Giant bunny feet and ears and everything. But it sort of also reminded me more of the character in Donnie Darko. (laughs) Now he's probably 200 to 300 feet away. He's walking in a manner that was just unsettling and unnatural looking to me <laughs> sort of stomping and swaying from side to side very mechanically with an arched back he was drunk <laughs> then after observing, an arched back it makes me think of weekend at bernie's <laughs> <laughs> uh, then after observing him for about five seconds it was like he sensed that i was looking at him he turned around and i could not make out if he had a mask on or what but it was not a normal human face okay Weird. and i was far away but i became terrified I have an above-ground pool in my yard. My dog was to the left of it, so he wasn't seeing the bunny man or reacting at all. I started to pull his leash to get him to come back up on the deck to go back in the house. This is all within the same 10-second or so span of the bunny man turning around. Mm -hmm. I look over into his direction again, and he is behind a tree staring at me in my next-door neighbor's yard. Oh, that's creepy. (laughs) tree is a pine or some kind of evergreen. I could see most of his body and even could sense his face still peeking through the needles. Ugh. Now, this is about 50 feet from me, right behind my fence. It didn't make any sense that he could move that fast in a matter of just a few seconds. I would have seen him running over there. <laughs> At this point, I didn't even want to go outside and get in my car to go to work, but I had to. I was pretty scared the rest of the morning, but later just convinced myself it was a hallucination. Maybe I didn't get enough sleep, or maybe it was just a weird guy on drugs or something trying mm-hmm. to scare people. Mm-hmm. Tried to forget about it. Then, just last weekend, so this would be a little over a week ago now. Wow, holy uh, shit. 
I was walking my dog at a nearby state park, about 30 minutes from my house. There's an old wooden cabin-style building on the property grounds near the parking lot. Not sure its original purpose or if it's still in use. We had been there for about an hour and a half and my dog was panting pretty heavily, so I decided to turn back. When we were almost back to my Jeep, I looked up at the cabin and sure enough, there is the same bunny man walking in the same unsettling manner. He was walking away from us towards a trail that runs along the left side of the cabin. Oh my god. <laughs> this time my dog barked at him, so I know I wasn't the only one seeing oh, him. Oh no, I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> Don't get his attention. Don't fucking bark right now. <laughs> I couldn't believe I saw him again. My dog is very big and strong, the Great Pyrenees, so I'm pulling him as hard as I can and sort of sprinting to the car, which is just about 100 meters away. You should have gotten an excellent Pyrenees. The best Pyrenees. The best Pyrenees. I have a pretty strong Pyrenees, but uh, anyway, <laughs> go on. I turned around for one brief second, and the bunny man was on the other side of the cabin now, peeking his head around the corner. He fucking did his thing again? He like huh. ran to a little hiding spot and like peeked out? Yeah. This uh, guy. I didn't get a great look at his face, but it looked sinister. <laughs> I saw no recognizable features besides a terrifying grin and large, dark eyes. It is obscured by the shadows of the roof and the nearby trees. I still don't know what this experience means. If it's a weird person that is trying to scare people and just happened to be at the same place as me twice... Or if there truly is some type of dark entity that looks like a giant bunny monster making himself known to me for some reason. <laughs> I like his, how to put it, the simplicity with which he describes his experience. Yeah. <laughs> Very straightforward. Like, am I just fucking crazy? Like, <laughs> What the hell's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to tell a few close friends about my experience and nobody believes me. I also have no proof. The first time was raining and my phone was inside. This time I didn't even think about pulling my phone out and snapping a picture when both my hands were occupied pulling on my dog's leash and running. Anyway, thanks for reading my email. Any insight or if you have heard of a similar entity, let me know. Thanks, FP. So, uh, hmm. the fuck? Yeah, for real. For real. So here's another article written by Matt Blitz in Washingtonian. Hmm. Quote, a creepy guy on Halloween dressed oddly throwing hatchets at people is just too bizarre to possibly be true, says Fairfax County archivi archivist Brian Conley. But it is. Mm. For four decades, the legend of the Bunny Man has captivated Northern Virginia fear seekers. Conley first heard the tale when he was an area youngster in the 1970s. It showed up in a 1973 University of Maryland undergrad class paper. It has been told and retold by local teens for years. Quote, it is a hell of a good piece of creative writing, Conley says, about what he thinks is the <laughs> most widely known version of the story. He specifically cites historical inaccuracies for why the account is false. He's referring to the uh, original account I described as far as escaped... Um, Right. and insane asylum people and all this bunny murders and such so some of the uh, historical inaccuracies for why he thinks it's false um the fact that the lorton prison wasn't open until 1916 uh -huh. so they wouldn't be transporting them there so early right uh there's no fairfax court record of douglas griffin who's the supposed bunny man himself also there's no logical reason for why he'd become this paranormal entity after it's the so fact. weird yeah and the quote-unquote old clifton library where the article's author tells skeptics that evidence can be found uh, never even existed. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah. Pure folklore. Yeah, it took nearly a decade of research, but in 2002, Conley published what has to be considered the foremost paper on the subject. Hmm. What he discovered is that the real story is even more bizarre than the legend. The legend itself is kind of, is pretty stock urban legend kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. Like, oh, here's a particular, often bridges too. Like, if you go to this bridge at midnight on this particular day, oh, it's Halloween specifically, then this crazy thing will happen. <laughs> right. Um, so on October 18th, so not Halloween, <laughs> 1970. <laughs> it's pre-ween. It's pre-ween. Yeah, pre it's uh, just kind of just general Halloween month uh, Hall tomfoolery. <laughs> the Washington Post reported that Air Force Academy cadet Robert Bennett and his fiance were sitting in a car in Fairfax around midnight near uh, Bennett's uncle's house when, quote, a man <laughs> dressed in a white suit with long bunny ears appeared. <laughs> just like, bump. <laughs> it just, <laughs> he hopped out of nowhere. Yeah. Also, have you ever seen Bennett like Bennett? Is this supposed to be a Bennett like Beckham? <laughs> yeah. The fact that I picked up on that means it can't have been as silly as I thought it was. <laughs> so, all right, I got to give it to you. <laughs> all right, carry on. Uh, so he appeared. He yelled at the couple that they were on private property and he had their tag number. Then he threw a wood-handled hatchet through the front car window. Holy shit. Luckily is this for real? Yeah, luckily neither Damn. of them was hurt. Because this was in the newspaper at the time that it happened. Holy Washington crap. Post. Two weeks later, the bunny man showed up again, but a block away from his original sighting, according to an October 31st Washington Post article. So now we actually are at Halloween, but... Private security guard Paul Phillips spotted the man beast on the front porch of a new <laughs> but unoccupied house. He was holding an axe. 
Phillips uh, recounted what happened next. Quote, I started talking to him, and that's when he started chopping. (laughs) (laughs) Taking several swings at a pole on the porch, he threatened Phillips. Quote, all you people trespass around here. If you don't get out of here, I'm going to bust you on the head. Oh, it's very, um, the story of the guy who bops the mice. Oh, oh, shoot. Little bunny foo-foo. Yeah, that's some foo-foo. Yeah, that is. Some foo-foo lingo. Round up all the field mice and bop them on the head. Exactly. He's got a foo-foo complex. (laughs) (laughs) Conley continued to dig. He tracked down the police and investigation reports that confirmed the Fairfax County Police looked for a male in his late teens or early 20s dressed as a bunny. But the police were unable to turn up anything conclusive, writing, quote, After a very extensive investigation into this and all other cases of the same nature, it is still unsubstantiated as to whether or not there really is a white rabbit, end quote. The police deemed the case inactive. Conley was also able to track down the still-married couple that had the hatchet thrown at them. <laughs> While they didn't particularly want to talk about the 45-year-old incident, they did confirm that it had happened. They shared vivid details, Conley says, as did the aunt who helped them after the incident. Wow. Quote, she remembered very clearly combing glass from the shattered glass window out of the girl's hair. Damn. Says Conley. Uh, to this day, no one knows who the bunny man was or what motivated him. <laughs> Conley knows that any theory he has is pure speculation, but he thinks it could be related to an elderly man, a curmudgeon, says Conley, who owned the property that, he, uh, that the couple was supposedly trespassing on. Uh, although the man had died a year or two earlier, maybe a younger family member took up his cause. Perhaps it was just a person who didn't like the development in the region going on at the time. Additionally, if the bunny man was in his early 20s in 1970, then he likely would still be alive today. Quote, unless he got careless with his hatchet, jokes Conley. <laughs> uh, as of this writing, this article is written in October of 2015, mm-hmm. uh, no one has come forward and admitted to being the notorious bunny man. Hmm. Today, the story of the Bunnyman has overtaken the, the bunny actual man. truth. <laughs> Conley thinks the Fairfax Station Bridge, which Google Maps now even calls Bunnyman Bridge, oh, wow. was nothing more than a local, uh, nearby local teen party spot and a creepy-looking and potentially dangerous bridge that got incorporated into the story. Right. Even the town of Clifton has fully embraced the legend with t-shirts and a haunted Halloween attraction. While the legend may be more horrific, frightening, and blood-curdling, the truth is just as bizarre, says Conley. If there was ever a story that was really ripe to grow and get a little bit strange, it has to be the bunny man. Wow. I mean, it does seem like the kind of thing where the story itself makes for a strong mantle that anyone can just put on. So, like, if someone's yeah. just feeling a little bit uh, murdery, <laughs> yeah. they could just go buy a bunny suit and... Get an axe and go Get for an it. axe, exactly. Yeah. And wouldn't it be very hard to modify a typical bunny suit to have like a monster face just buy a mask and stitch it in or something yeah now if someone sees you it's like oh my god it looked like a bunny suit but the face was weird so it yeah. must be real there are a couple of things i find interesting about like yeah there's the very classic urban legend elements to it that are just like okay that's just a story being passed down the right. fact that it actually is based on some true events right is pretty interesting as far as that kind of stuff did actually happen to some people mm-hmm. and so you could have a whole far-fetched story kind of spin out of control from that right but then the idea that there are people who are having sightings of a bunny man thing <laughs> in it's other so contexts weird. is pretty yeah. strange and creepy especially the one that i described like just seeing it two different places totally different spooky. times oh is my odd God. it would be so creepy oh my goodness to just like have had that one experience but then like that was that couldn't i must have just been imagining not that. just have it again but like somewhere else too. somewhere totally like, different oh months later God, am i going fucking crazy yeah, going from october to april right and uh seeing in uh going from like you know the wee hours of the morning in the rainstorm to right broad daylight in the park oh yeah so pretty weird and creepy. that is creepy yeah now there's no reason to assume it isn't just yeah some person dressing up weird. right it right. could happen just like all the weird clown sightings from a couple of years oh, back yeah, and exactly. they keep happening exactly. and stuff people just dressing as clowns and being creepy being creepy right um it's people getting like surprisingly up in arms sometimes literally about the clouds <laughs> so it could just be a simple matter of like nowadays people do weird shit to for fun just to do it yeah. so it could just be that but it's i don't know it's something that i just happened looking for uh <laughs> man monsters a while back i'm gonna mm-hmm. stumble across the bunny man I was like that can't be a thing it's so goofy and right and finally it's like oh it's not only is it a thing but it's a pretty uh pretty uh intricate lore to this thing yeah right it's cool to hear too because i've come across it but similarly have been like hmm 
That seems insane. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm happy to hear the story. Yeah, it was fun to read about, but in particular, just the finding the actual. I'd seen stuff about sightings about it and a little bit about the true story before I actually saw the supposed tale of the bunny man and what oh, is, sure. what the actual background is meant to be. And once you read that part, I was like, okay, that's just such uh, cliche urban legendy stuff. It's like oh, all totally. of the things. Okay, yeah, you have. Someone escaped from an insane asylum. You have some kind of creepy bridge area. You have the idea of midnight occurrences. And even at the time it was supposed to be happening, it was a deal where when you have the combined um, urban legend stories of escaped murderer and supernatural occurrences on bridges at midnight. Mm. This is mm-hmm. like a bridge in Vermont, I think, where you're supposed to go to where like some some girl or woman died. And if you park your car there and turn your um, turn your car off, park in the middle of the bridge and wait there until midnight then like you'll see her ghost or if um be so primed or she'll like start writing things on the fog on the outside of your window like things like that which sounds spooky but it's like it's still you know so many stories that follow that sort of uh formula exactly put yourself in a creepy place and creepy things will happen exactly and so at this point it's what's really fun about the bunny man story is how many different tropes and cliches are all just mashed together into one thing So the idea that in the initial attacks, these kids would be presumably killed by this escaped murderer, but also all this weird supernatural stuff would happen too. Like there's this, you know, if you go to the bridge at midnight on Halloween, only on Halloween, Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be this bright flash of light and then you'll all end up dead and gutted and strung up from the bridge. So silly. Especially if you go to the creepypasta page on this. It is both, it is profoundly poorly written. I would uh, love in a to way hear that one. only creepypasta can be. There's just too many of them. They're very silly. Oh, I can. Sure. I mean, I can. Let's I can just roll the dice. Find. If there's a uh, short one, I would be interested. Yeah, they're all like they're all just like little paragraph long, long ones. So let's see here. Also, I want to hear the comments from people going like, "Dude, this is so good. I was so scared <laughs> by it." I'll read one of these and I'll scroll down and see what people are saying. A girl named Adrian had remained a good distance from the bridge, hoping to have enough time to escape if the same thing happened again. This is after the first. Uh, murders had happened she was the only one to witness this a dim light uh, walking the railroad track just before midnight stopping right above the bridge at midnight then disappearing at the same time that a brief flash was inside the bridge she heard the deafening sounds of terrified screaming coming from inside the bridge that lasted only seconds moments later they were all hung from the edge of the bridge in the same way as the corpses a year earlier so it all happened like in only an instant right right then horrified she ran home and refused to tell all of what she saw just spattered words mixed with incoherent mumblings that the people of her town had to put together to come up with her story. <laughs> all, no one, the, all the town the piles into help. <laughs> no one understood it or believed her. <laughs> they charged her with the teen's murders and locked her up in the asylum of Lorton. <laughs> the which, is, end. which is especially fun too because the the asylum was supposed to have been closed before this happened. That was what oh my kind God. of was the progenitor of the entire story in the first place. Oy. And so she's supposed to then lose her mind in the uh, in the asylum. So let's see what we got for comments. Uh, <laughs> I do like this. It's hanged when talking about humans, not hung. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Which mom. is actually a pet peeve of mine, so true, I do appreciate actually, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone said, the Easter Bunny confirmed. This person grew up in Clifton and lived there for 26 years. Legends, legends is often wrong, but me of it is accurate and very creepy in itself. I have been to the bridge during the day to see what it is like. If you want to hear the story, please visit Ghoulish Expedition's YouTube channel and like us on Facebook for more creepy paranormal stories. This wasn't a plug. Please don't <laughs> yeah, just... That, that took a very pluggy turn. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty pleased with most of the... Uh, so far, most of the comments are just kind of either shitting on it or just dismissing it. So someone said, okay, so two convicts escaped. One died after possibly eating and dismembering bunnies. And somewhere along the line, the other guy gained super speed and the ability to glow. <laughs> yeah, for real, though. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, it sounds, yeah, they're missing sounds a like a key middle stage. Yes. So it would almost be creepier if it just started happening. Yeah, there was you know, no the lead story. up to it. Yeah, it exactly. suddenly people just started getting killed uh, by a bunny. Why has it got to be convicts? Like <laughs> plus the also the idea of like saying okay, people from an insane asylum being that, transported. That, I mean to say just describing anyone from an asylum as being just that kind of unknowable other like oh you know they're right someone escaped from an asylum there must be bad news right whereas you know back especially back then people who were in asylums were often people who actually had mental health issues that needed to be treated and weren't being treated correctly right as far as people who were you know more of the criminal variety tended to murderers be, yeah actually tended to be in prisons right exactly because there was no distinction between, oh you have a 
mental health problem we need to fix or you are like if you killed someone it's like okay you're a bad guy you're going to jail or you're being executed so there's yeah the idea of i wonder how that like was born that people would make that association so strongly i don't know just the idea of oh if you have anything wrong with your mental health you are a killer you're going to be a crazy sociopathic murderer yeah yeah the psychopath factor i feel like it probably started happening back in well it may have been with i wonder if if the movie psycho had anything to do with it (laughs) hitchcock true like having it being specifically called psycho right hard to say and it being a a mentally addled young man right right uh, right. that's many decades old spoiler alert oh uh, yeah if you haven't seen psycho sorry to spoil it so there's a there's my master for the week i like it a harrowing tale yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> if you guys have any scarier master stories if you have encountered the bunny man on your walk yeah, in the early morning <laughs> rain please let us know uh, if you have any stories at all you'd like to share of your own or topics you'd like to recommend we cover, contact at superduperstitious.com is a great way to contact us. Please reach at out. At superduperstitious.com. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll happily uh, take up whatever you got and we'll talk about it. Yeah, and um, in the meantime, we uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hope we will see you next week. Uh, we will be back for more. And um, yeah, until that point. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.